It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Potpourri Edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor. As always, it's presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Coming up, we got a special guest, Paul Daner Jr. from the Enquirer. going to talk some Bengals, Zach Taylor's hiring, his coaching staff, and the epilogue to his famous ghost story. But as always, joined by Rick Broering as we do this podcast each and every week. Rick, hit it off, brother. Skinny, number two Duke beat number 16 Louisville Tuesday night, which isn't shocking. But what was shocking was the massive comeback the Blue Devils had to make in order to steal that win on the road. Louisville led by 23 points with 10 minutes to go in the game, only to see Duke close on a 35-10 run, the largest in Mike Krzyzewski's career, a stretch during which the Cardinals turned the ball over nine times. Did the Wild Duke comeback over Louisville say more about Coach K's Blue Devils or Chris Mack's Cardinals, in your opinion? You can say a little bit about both. I think it said when Duke feels like playing, they can go on crazy runs like that. When they're when they're locked in defensively and they are in that kind of desperation mode, um, they can be that good. I also think it shows that, that Louisville, um, I don't want to say wasn't ready to win that game because they've won some big games this year. Um, I, I, I think panic set in for them for whatever. That Definitely. all of a sudden you look up and it, it, it felt like it got to 12 really quick like. And then when it got to 12, felt like it got to 6 really quick-like. And then it looked like guys just freaked out and stopped figuring out how to break pressure and double teams and where to go and, and kind of hid. And trust me, as a coach who had that happen to him, not in the, in the recent, it, it's, it's hard for everybody because you know the kids don't, don't think that. You know the players know where they're supposed to go. But in the moment sometimes, you just lose your mind. And I think some of that happened. Yeah, I think it definitely says more about Duke for two reasons. Because one, they were in that hole to begin with, which I think says a little bit about this team. I'm very high on them, and I do think they are the maybe not the prohibitive favorites, but definitely a heavy favorite no to win a national title. I think they're by far the best team in the country. Their talent is ridiculous compared to most other teams when you look at the top of the rankings right now. But they have some weaknesses, and they don't always. I don't think they always flow the best on offense. It seems like ball gets stuck a little bit at times. At times, when there's, it does seem like some AAU All Star mm-hmm. stuff going on still. And, and you know, Coach K is a great coach. Um, they they run a lot of good stuff. I'm not saying that they don't know what they're doing. No, but, but you watch times, the ball, the ball gets in, stuck in guys' hands at times. It does. It's just inconsistent. And defensively, when they care. They're, they're scary, but sometimes they don't care. And offensively, Chris Mack put on a clinic for about 25 oh, minutes of those games X and O-wise. No Just question. backdoor cutting them. Underneath out-of-bounds stuff. The one pass that zipped by, by Williamson's head for a layup was just... I mean, he runs such good stuff underneath out-of-bounds, it's obscene. Yeah, and so I think you saw all that stuff happen to Duke. But then at the same time, you also saw in a 10-minute span how ridiculously good they can be. five points. And by the way, all it really required Coach K to do was say... Let's quit guarding him. Let's just play his own. Yeah, right. We can't guard him. Right. Let's just play his own. Use our athleticism. Right. And it took over. Well, the funny part is that was almost, to some degree, you think that's almost a give up time, right? Because at that point, Louisville could probably oh, milk felt, some clock. It, it felt that way. Yeah. When they got to 23 with about 10 minutes left. And they went to zone. Yeah, because Duke made a, a run or two where it's like, right. oh, okay, they got a shot or two and a stop. But then right after that, Louisville would hit a three, or Louisville would hit another three, or Louisville would get an and one. It's like they kept making a big shot, to, and then it kept extending that lead to where Duke just wasn't chipping away at all at a certain point. And then you're right. It felt like they almost quit and had to go to the zone, and then that happens. Louisville goes cold, misses some shots, and then you just saw— It like, took some questionable shots. They took a couple of early shot clock threes that you're like, dude, time and score. Let, let's. I know you don't want to— you want to keep attacking, but there and there's that fine line of you don't want to milk the shot clock all the way down to, to zero and jack right, something too bad early up. To do that. But you also don't want to go first pass jump shot because just because I'm open. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think you got to get the best look you can. And if that's a, a first-pass jump shot, that's how you got there. Like, Jordan Wara definitely missed some shots that I think, you know, that's kind of how they got the lead was him making yeah, he those, made some shots, those yeah. shots. So against the zone, I understand why you're looking for that stuff. But once they did start missing the shots and Zion started getting going the way he was, like you said, panic set in. You could see guys froze up against that zone. Yeah. And, and then Chris Mack, which... You can definitely say this says something about Louisville because now and Chris Mack specifically could you almost go got back, another huge scalp. You go well, but you also go back to last year. He has the massive collapse in Florida against Florida State well, in the tournament. They, they, this they, year they, against Florida State, yeah, they lost on Saturday. Had a lead, de- double digit lead in the second half. Let it get away. They watched that get away. And now this just right. a, a, cl- a collapse of epic proportions. And granted, they weren't supposed to win that game. Duke's absolutely the more talented. They team. were an eight and a half point dog at home. I can't remember how many games Louisville's probably ever been an eight and a half point dog at home, no matter what year they're playing. Right, but there is something to be said. Like I understand why people are going to start questioning yes. Chris Mack in those situations, and that's fair. But watching that game, I mean, he used all of his timeouts mm-hmm. before the f- under four minute media timeout, trying to get things right. Right. I don't know what else you do, and we've talked about that with Xavier. They they keep folding in these end of game situations too. And sometimes as a coach, I don't know what you do other than tell your guys not to turn the ball over. I mean, it's not like they're not giving them stuff to run. They've been running great yes. offense and and setting stuff up all game. So that wasn't the issue. The issue was the guys are freaking out and just doing things that are out of character. So I don't know as a coach. It's almost like how they're you looking at the clock sometimes. going, please, please expire, please expire, yeah. please expire, please expire. No, you got to keep playing. I think one of Chris Mack's greatest strengths as a coach is that he gets his kids to believe they're good. Mm-hmm. He sets a certain standard of play while also letting them be free enough and giving them confidence to the point that they think they're good. I think that's how they got a 23-point lead yesterday. And then all of a sudden, uh-oh, maybe we're not as good as this Duke team. But it's all, but it's also how you lose it, yeah. right? Because you play a little carefree, you let your guys play a little carefree, but then when they realize, we're not Zion, yeah, and we're not R.J. Barrett, it all of a sudden collapsed really quickly and their confidence was shot, and, and they didn't quite have that discipline to fall back on, at least from, from the way I saw no, it. No, I think that, that's, that's well said. Skinny Kentucky suffered a 73-71 loss to LSU at Rupp Arena Tuesday night. The game ended in controversy when LSU guard Skylar Mays shot missed off the rim but was tipped back in by Cavell Bigby Williams at the buzzer to break a 71-71 tie. Replay revealed that UK's EJ Montgomery had his hand through the cylinder prior to the shot reaching the basket, but also that Bigby Williams might have tipped the ball back in for LSU while it was still in the cylinder. So I ask you, did UK get screwed at Rupp Arena in the loss to LSU? I don't think so because I still can't tell you even after watching replay that I thought it was goaltending. Um, and in real time, it's, it's almost impossible for them to have, to have called that goaltending. It really is. Um, I would say this. How about you stop the guy from driving to the basket in the first place or B, five guys don't try to block a shot and somebody's ready to try to get a defensive rebound. How about you do that? Yeah, the blockout, I think you missed the blockout for sure. Um, it was goaltending. It was absolutely offensive goaltending. That, in real time though, Rick, it's hard to... It's, it, 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 it's hard for them to see that clearly. It is. It is, and it's not replayable. It's not. Except here's here's my problem with that. We just saw this happen in a UC game recently, where they went and went into the monitor because they were reviewing something else, and they which, were wrong, right? But they but then they changed they changed it while they were there. They went back and said, since we had to review this, we were able to see that this was a foul. This was also a foul. So I don't understand why you wouldn't be able to do that 
with goaltending. And also they say one of the only plays that you're allowed to go back to the monitors for and review at the end of the game situation is a scoring right. play. To see. And that was a scoring to play. To me, that's a scoring play. Yeah. Like That is no, I, definitely I, something you get to review. But, but the, by the rule, that was not a reviewable play. Just, just for, so right. it's clear. I they, know what you're saying. They did that the right way, yes. but I don't understand why yeah. it is that way. And I've seen them get around that rule before as recently as last week in the UC game or two weeks ago in no, the no, UC game. And they were wrong. So I don't understand why they didn't do it this time because they did go back to the monitor to make sure he got it off. Yeah, that's so you could be saying, hey, we went to go check the time, and we also saw that that was a goaltend. I don't. I guess they're not allowed to do that. But the more interesting part to me, I think it was definitely offensive goaltending. The question I have and why I don't feel bad for UK is because EJ Montgomery had his arm through the rim, yeah, but and I, he's, allowed to, he's allowed to as long yes. as he doesn't shake the rim. Correct. I'll be honest. I I don't know how you can tell if he did or didn't think right, from the replay. Right. So no, the ref say... To, no, here, here's my... Look, stop the guy from driving all the way to the bucket. Yeah, well, and also route him, do make, something, make, get in front of him, make free throws down the stretch. Yeah. don't turn the ball over. Like this UK team had a little bit of collapse on their of their own um, in the end of that game, and and so they have no one to blame but themselves. But I do think, in terms of whether that was offensive goaltending or not, it absolutely was. But I, I don't really feel bad for anyone. Yeah, in real time, I couldn't have told you it was. In real time, watching it when it happened, I mean, I know the, the initial reaction of your Kentucky fan is. No, no matter whether it was or not, you think goaltending, right? Because yeah. that tip and beat your team in the replay kind of, for most people, confirmed it. It still didn't confirm it to me. I swear to God, it didn't. It didn't completely confirm it to me. I, it, it, it was probably, if you put a gun to my head and said, Man. you got to make a choice. That view from over top, I, I thought it was pretty clear. But in, but in real time, yeah, well, it's, in, it's in real hard. time, yeah. I mean, I, I get and from the angle, I don't, the referee's not sitting on top of the goal, or on top of the basket looking straight down into it either. Correct. It was a tough call for them to make, but that's also why I think that should just be a reviewable situation. At Stop the, the drive, game. block somebody out, get the defensive rebound. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've we've been talking pretty favorably about this Kentucky team recently. I still think they're really good. Rightfully so. I don't think this game says too much about them because that's a good team that no, they play, I, a talented I think, team. I think what you see is LSU is pretty good. When is really the, deep. I thought they were really good as it was, and they've had a really good year. You go into Rupp against a good, good Kentucky team, and, and it was pretty much, you know, punch and counter punch all night. I think that says a lot about LSU, more about LSU being pretty darn good. I thought UK collapsed a little bit down the stretch, but overall, I didn't think they played poorly no. or anything. I thought they were pretty solid. So now it does make make Saturday even more interesting. Now that's the be- big thing because now, now you have to have Saturday to yes. even have a hope at a number one seed. Yes, correct. If, yeah, if you lose Saturday, you have no hope. In fact, you, you might have hurt yourself already. Yes, with this. I mean you definitely hurt yes. yourself. You might have taken yourself out of the contention. You're going to have to probably sweep the rest of the season and get some help. Yeah, along but, the way. But the thing is, I think they but you will can beat get Tennessee some help. twice. You get Tennessee. You get a chance for Tennessee twice. Well, and I think you just saw with Duke and Louisville that there's a chance Duke could slip up right. again before the season's over. Virginia could slip up. I don't, I don't think anyone above them is necessarily set in stone. And obviously, we just saw well, Gonzaga's got a guy hurt. So I mean, yeah, no, who just, knows what happens to them? We just saw Michigan, a top ten team, lose uh, to the worst team in the Big Ten by far. That Tuesday night was. I said this to Barstool Riggs, Bobby Regan, our, our buddy on Twitter. That that was like a sort of weirdo championship weekday. It was. It was. It was. You had wild finishes. You had big upsets. You had good game. I mean, you had good, good good matchups. Yeah. Uh, just just a really fun day of basketball. Skinny number nine Houston beat UC sixty five fifty eight while Xavier lost at home to DePaul seventy four sixty two over the weekend. Xavier's loss is clearly the worst loss of the two, but. Which loss is more costly for the two teams headed in very different directions? UC's loss to Houston or Xavier's loss to DePaul? 
I'm going to go Xavier's loss to DePaul, and I'll, I'll tell you why I don't think UC is because I think Houston's, again, really good. Um, I mean, they were a three seed in the reveal show, and I think that's probably about right. That's probably fair. Uh, UC, I think, has a ch- I don't think they have a chance to avenge that loss at home. They have a chance to, to maybe win out. So I think if you win out, which would include a win over Houston at home, I think that the loss to Houston is just going to be looked at as, hey, you lost to a really good team on their floor, and you, you took them right down to the wire. Um, for Xavier... This might have been the last, and we talked about it last week, this might be the last chance at a win. I mean, literally at a win, you have a chance to maybe end this year on a 13-game losing streak. I think that, that to me, is that, that, that the Xavier loss is far worse, just far worse, because at least you could have stopped the bleeding momentarily, maybe given yourself enough of a confidence boost to say, okay, hey, look, we, 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 we had some guys do some good things, and we, we're going to get this turned around. We're going to get a couple big wins for the years out, and then let's see what we can do in Madison Square Garden and, and, and move forward there and, and, and have a good chance to maybe win a couple games in the Big East tournament. Who knows how it shakes out? Now it's almost like, God, get me to 2019, 2020 as fast as I can. Yeah, exactly. And for everybody. I think you're 100% right. I think Xavier lost more in that game, despite the fact that they're not playing for anything right now. Right. I mean, it would seem UC is the easy answer because if they win that game, it gives them a chance to legitimately be, uh, you know, maybe five, six seed. I mean, you could really move up and be a legitimate sort of contender going into the tournament. Now you start looking at their resume. If they lose another game, if they have a slip up or two here in their conference that they're not supposed to have, all of a sudden they're on the bubble. You know, I mean, they could be on yeah. the bubble very quickly. And I, and I don't here. think they'll have that slip up, but it's always I possible. I don't but it's either. always possible. But you would think from that standpoint, because they were playing for so much more in this season, that that game would have meant more for UC. But I agree with you. I think it is Xavier because. I've said this a few times that I felt like that DePaul game you needed just to keep everyone focused, locked in, playing to get better for the season. Now, I don't know what you're going to get What's your selling out, point? What, what are you going to get out of these guys the rest of the season? Do they care? I mean, you just lost at home to DePaul. Do they care? I'm not saying they're not trying, but I'm saying, are you really going to get the best effort every day out of Najee Marshall, Quentin Gooden, Tyreek Jones, and, and Paul Scruggs, the four guys that you really need to get better and have going into the offseason with a lot of momentum, a lot of buy-in, ready to develop, and yeah, a lot of buy-in. Because they, they're the ones that. that you need to set the tone for the next group coming in. It is. That and you believe is going to help right the ship. And for whatever reason, maybe it's a total overreaction to one bad loss, but that game feels like it makes it a lot harder to do those things. Right. I mean, what, what, what's, your, what's your buy into a scouting report now? What's your buy into going through a two-hour practice now or even a 90-minute, whatever your practice time is? What, what's the buy-in for those guys now? Is, hey, we got a chance to do this, this, and this? It, it makes it very, very tough. I think this is when you really earn your stripes as a coach. You know, everybody thinks that uh, you, you maybe do it when, when things are going. No, it's when things are going bad, man. That's when you. That's when you really have to figure out. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold guys even more accountable. I'm going to do this differently. You reevaluate everything, and I'm guessing Travis Steele's doing that. I, you know, I. I don't think he's cashed it in as a coach. You can't. You got to keep. You got to keep plowing forward. I mean, I think some people think that. I think some people believe that. It's not true. But, Trust me, it's not true. But you're right. It does start making you feel like, get me to 2019-20 for yeah. everyone, including the coaches. And not that they're going to mail anything in, right. but they're absolutely got to be feeling that way now. Yeah. Skinny, our guy Paul Daner is going to join us now. We've got his ghost story coming up, but he's also going to join us for some Bengals talk. This last question here on our local segment. Yeah, the epilogue to the ghost story. 
looking yeah. very forward to this. I can't wait. But first, we're going to talk some Bengals. Uh, the Bengals announced the hiring of seven new coaches over the last week. Jamal Singleton was a running backs coach with the Raiders. He's taking the same job with the Bengals. James Casey was a special teams coordinator and tight ends coach at the University of Houston and has taken a job coaching the Bengals tight ends. Ben Martin was the offensive line coach at Bryant University. He's now an assistant offensive line coach for the Bengals. Joey Bosey was the strength and conditioning coach at Illinois and has taken the same job on Zach Taylor's Not staff. Not to be confused with Joey Bosa, so just, just in case you're wondering. Not the same guy. And Although might have better hips. Might. And Doug Rossfeld was the head coach at Moeller and has been added to the staff as the director of coaching operations. Two other hires, though, stood out for different reasons. One, Brian Callahan was the former Raiders quarterback's coach, has been named the offensive coordinator. Two, Jim Turner was named as the offensive line coach after holding the same position at Texas A&M the last three years. So the questions are, Does first of all, does Brian Callahan move the needle for you as an offensive coordinator? No, but but I mean he's not going to be calling plays either. So I mean he's going to be part of the the process of putting together game plans and being a different set of eyes. And that I, I swear, I mean you were there with me, Paul. I mean I, I almost wanted to walk over and just like rub his little head and say, "Oh, good little guy." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I he just looks so young. Yeah, no, it's funny. He, here's here's the point I've been Wanna making. Fresh little fella. Here's the point I've been making that should make Bengals fans happy and completely terrified at the same time, and that is I actually think. Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan combo is probably the best thing this team has going yeah. for it right now. And th- any other team in the league would say that's the riskiest thing we no have question. going for us right now. Two guys that have never put in a game plan and had to execute it and run, and, a, room. And, 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 and run a room before are having to do it. They are clearly two highly regarded up-and-coming offensive QB guru types. I mean, really, you look at the numbers that Matt Stafford and even Derek Carr put up when when you had Callahan uh, behind them, and they were some of the best of their career. And we know what Taylor is has been regarded as, as a quarterback's coach, too. So I, I look at that and I say, man, that could be great. But it is scary. It is totally scary because they you don't know that they might get, and that is maybe way too big for them. Yep. And that's before you ever get into the fact that, you know, None of the rest of the staff is really settled or consistent or anything but a big question mark as well. Yeah, that, that that's the part for me. Um, I, I still am waiting for that veteran, been through it guy. Maybe that's going to be the defensive guy, right? I mean, there, there has to be somebody. Do you? Here's here's a question I've been. I don't, do you, I don't even consider the age. Everybody keeps talking about the age. The age. I don't care if you're twenty. If you've been yeah. coaching, you were eleven years old, then I may say that's fine. I don't, I don't care about the age. I care about that's the experience. Child labor laws. It is. <laughs> yeah. I did love uh, Callahan telling us the story about how he's fifteen years old uh, and he's at. Raiders practice. He's sitting throwing in on passes. John Gurdmeys and he's running, throwing passes in training camp to Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. How cool I'm is like, that? dude, you know what I was doing when I was 15? Uh, Looking at ghosts. Look at baby ghosts. <laughs> chasing down baby ghosts. I was still three years from chasing baby ghosts. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's it's insane. I mean, th- so there's there's different levels of experience. So I I'm not as I'm not I'm with you. I, I don't put the experience as much of a factor as the fact that you know you would like to have seen him run a room. Before. Yes, yes. But, I mean, look, it's quarterback offensive league, and if you have guys that can come in and make that hum, then then, then great. I mean, Callahan was going to be an offensive coordinator very soon, yeah. somewhere. Yes. I mean, that was yes. what he was due. And maybe even a play calling on. And really, Taylor should have – he skipped the step. Yes, they both, he, they both he should have been an offensive coordinator. You basically got two guys right. that should be offensive coordinators this year running your offense. I think and if, your team. <laughs> I, I think if you're a Bengals fan, you have to be excited about that, though, because that's what you wanted. You wanted them to get completely away from the known. You wanted them to go completely away from the Brown family tree or whatever it was. This is certainly the unknown. I mean, certainly yeah. it's the unknown not only for the Bengals, but for the entire NFL, really. 
To, yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, these guys are right. not going to be set in any type of ways at all. You wouldn't think. No, that, that, that could be a good thing. It also could blow up right in your face. And yeah. Um, and the thing is, I don't know if you have a honeymoon period here, right? I, it, in some of these cases, I think you'd have a honeymoon period with the fan base. Would you not? I don't know. Judging by a fan reaction this week, I say it lasts about forty-eight hours. <laughs> between <laughs> between Jim Turner and uh, and Doug Rosfeld, I felt like fans were like, "All right, I'm done." Look, the last Mueller coach they hired, though, was an assistant. Let's face it. Jim Lippincott was not a head coach oh, at Mueller. No, no. He was an assistant. I, I have I have the outrage over Rossfeld. Turner, I get. Yeah, we're going to uh, talk about that. Turner, I get. But, but the, the outrage over hiring, I said, I've been telling, asking everybody, yell it out loud right now, the right-hand man, admin, assistant of your favorite head coach. Don't know him. No one knows Other one. Other than we knew Hugh Jackson no, last year. That's the only one. Is He's probably the most famous one ever in the history of the NFL. And uh, while I do not know his name, the guy who was in charge of pulling Sean McVay back from the refs, he yeah. went viral. He went so, viral. And I know no one knows his name. Don't know his name, but I do know of him and what he <laughs> yes, looks like. Yes, exactly. I do want to know which, which by the way, is that just what this guy's going to be? Director is Rossfeld just going to be the pullback guy to keep him out of the way of the coaching up? I no. hope that he definitely I, does that. I think he's the timeout guy. He's the guy that says, Coach, you got two left. Remember that. Okay, two-minute warnings coming up, Coach. Remember that. <laughs> or is this the uh, long-awaited Mo Egger? The logistics coach guy. Of, coach of common sense. Coach of common sense. Which Mo's going to be very mad about because he's I said he needs, that job. he needs to be the assistant to the assistant and focus on one of the common sense areas just so he can get a gig. I, I just feel like if your teeth aren't Mountain Dew stained and you don't have Dorito dust on your finger and you don't have sore joints from playing too much Madden, I don't want you as the timeout guy. That is the guy who should be in charge of challenges and timeouts. Some fat kid who played Madden for the last 10 years. Because those kids have it on lock. Yeah. I would take whoever won like the National Madden Championship yes. and just find a gig for him. He's on ESPN every year. Yeah. It's not hard yeah, to find. Go find. And I'm sure you I'm can pay him more than Mountain he's new. <laughs> Put him in there. He's 13. He's lacking experience, but... He's got a lot of experience in but, Madden. Yeah, in Madden years, though, that 13 is like, that's They're a 30 like dog year years, right? That's yeah. what you don't know. You don't know that Doug Rossfeld in his off time plays Madden quite a lot. Religiously. I mean, that's what it was. He was a well, I'm sure if you, he has six kids, I'm sure he's been forced to play quite a bit of video games. <laughs> he I'll bet he is. All right, let, let's talk about the Jim Turner hire. Shall we? Um, do you find do you find yeah. Taylor to be a hypocrite for hiring Turner despite his controversial history, especially after he got up in front of everybody and, and really made it a point to say, we want to have good people and the right people high in our standards. locker room. High, high standards. standards. High standards. Yeah. yeah, I do find it to be a hypocrite. But it does, I guess it doesn't bother me. Um, and I don't think it's going to bother fans. If they win, they're not going to remember what Jim Turner did in his past. If Jim Turner no, they love winning, Joe Mixon. Right, correct. And, and, and that's that, all, that always happens. But I do find it hypocritical. You say it one day, and what, 48 hours later, to a day later, you you hire this guy with, with a checkered pass. The one thing I'll give credit for, and Paul's the one that asked if we could talk to, to Zach Taylor for some comment. Zach did come down and talk to us for a good, what, 10 minutes? and minutes, then gave us five more. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he, he was... Open and and wanted to you Get know address there. address it yeah stand that, by his guy which it shouldn't be hard to do that's how young this staff is they think they still have to talk to the media <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll, learn. You'll, learn. <laughs> you'll learn you'll learn young and you will learn you'll learn I you know I, I'm I'm not a big uh, hypocrite whatever I just like you said when you come from the land of say taking Joe Mixon in the second round this is this is small potatoes uh, from an organizational standpoint and what they what they've been through as as far as Jim Turner goes. I mean, I do think that that no saying I know him and I know this story. I do believe Texas A&M in particular is more to the story. People I've talked to from down there have sort of said there might have been some stuff that was sort of this was just sort of pre-existing. He was the new guy, just kind of running on the template, and it went viral on him, and he had to kind of take one for the team. 
does not excuse it. Right. You still should be like, what is this? I'm not doing this. However, there was a little bit of – I think he – he maybe took one for the team down there. The Miami thing is way different. I mean, you get into lying to investigators and getting fired and, and all the other crap that went on down there. But that was six years ago. 20, yeah, 2012. 2012, 2013 area. You're five, six years ago. You know, you do have a right to work again. Uh, so I, I'm not... Yeah, the incident at Texas A&M aside, he, he served his two-week suspension. Jimbo he, Fisher kept him. He kept him, yeah. Because he was a Kevin Sumlin hire. Yeah. Kevin Sumlin then got fired, got got left behind. Jimbo Fisher comes in. Jimbo Fisher could have brought in a whole new staff and had every right to. He kept the guy. And, and by the way, what it essentially was is they had one of those Chalk Talk for Women yes. segments where yeah. they had slides that had all of these they, sexually suggestive... Ridiculous. I, he was trying were, to explain how to play offensive line with yeah. using nothing but sexual terms. It wasn't funny. Yeah. No, no. It was clearly someone's bad attempt at humor. Yes. But I agree. I honestly like in today's climate, yeah, you pr- you maybe get fired from your job for doing that like if you if it's one of our jobs and we send it out in a group email or something. But honestly, like 10 years ago, you don't. You yeah. get maybe suspended. It just honestly, it, the climate has changed in terms of that sort of thing. I could easily see that being kind of a leftover from previous regimes. Type of in the, the, the other part PowerPoint of the, slide. Yeah, because it was on PowerPoint. No one uses PowerPoint anymore. That's true. They like don't. Saving grace. Marv does, <laughs> and he's, he had bad fonts. We learned that this year. Yes, we did. Players, players <laughs> could read. Well, they couldn't read it because he had bad. No, I think it was too small. He didn't know yeah, how to use the size. That's an upset. Yeah, I would have thought Marvin was a large font guy. <laughs> no, for sure. I would have thought, thought his cell phone has just like the giant yep. where you can. That's skinny. Skinny can fit like two lines of text on a cell phone. <laughs> that's why we're the magnifiers. It probably was large text, but he had like it on like. 12% magnifier and just put that out to everyone. So it was uh, totally like, like, I can't see it, even though in front of him, it's like, you know, 84 point. <laughs> Poor Marv. Yeah. Poor yeah. Marv. No, the other part <laughs> of Jim Turner, the Jim Turner hiring is this. Zach Taylor knew there was going to be blowback. That's why he wanted to address it with us. So he knew that. He Look, there's a lot of offensive line coaches you could have hired. Heck, he could have kept Frank Pollock around, and that probably would have said, everybody would have said, that, that's fine. Um he thinks enough of him knowing there's going to be some blowback that he went ahead and hired him anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he must really think he's I, good. The only thing he he he, he burns he, he burns some goodwill with the fans and whatever what that's worth, but no one will care because if if the offensive line in his opinion is 25% better with this guy compared to anybody else, no in his opinion and most fans opinion, nobody will care nobody will about care. any of this. Nobody. And, and and the only thing the only way that this really blows up in his face is if Turner does something. Yes. If Turner does something, there is no ability for Zach Taylor to say that was one guy, fire him and move on. No, you stood on the table. Mm-hmm. We we all knew, and you defended this guy, and you said the culture said, is going to be different. You said you knew him because you, you said you knew him, and that's not who he is anymore. Right. So it, he he has man. If I'm Jim Turner, I'm walking in, and we're holding that embrace for a, a couple extra minutes as I thank him because you know that is that is putting a lot of yourself on the line on your second day on the job for 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 you for 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 this guy. Although they are kind of tangentially related. He's Mike Sherman's cousin. That's, I think all these guys on this staff are somehow it's related. Weird. It's, like, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I don't like it. It came out of Appalachia. It's the Appalachian <laughs> staff. Jeez. <laughs> I'm waiting for the six-fingered, six-toed guy to come along somewhere. <laughs> Goodness gracious. That'll be the defensive coordinator. Yeah. I, I honestly wouldn't care at all about this because I do think like people moralize all these decisions for really no reason when mm. they don't ultimately care. But – 
it was weird to me that he made such a point in his opening day press conference to talk about the the culture and the good guy stuff and the high standards, and then a few days later to announce this. It it did raise an eyebrow, and I don't. Had he not made a point of it in this press conference, buzzwords, I don't think I would have. Buzzwords are buzzwords for a reason. Yeah, but but they, I think they haunt you a little bit if they you're can. not going to stick to them. Got like, receipts. Mean what you say. And we got receipts. That's the only thing I took away from it is like, all right, so you were just feeding us a line during yeah. your opening. So everything you said was pretty much a line that day, which is fine. That's what most people do, but. Yeah. You kind of had me believe in you for a second. I was drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid on that opening day press conference. So yeah, I get it. a little more take, take it, wait and see approach now. Yeah. All right, Paul. And I know some people are already trying to hit the reset button on the Andy Dalton era. Um, yeah. Do, do you believe they do that in this draft? I believe they look into it. They've been looking into it. I know. Because it's not like they have. I mean, they have. Everybody has seen the writing on the wall of after 2020. This team has no quarterback, and because Andy Dalton is valuable because of his contract and skill level, you can't be his skill level on a top contract. Um, you know, you need to have you either have an elite guy and you pay him that way, or you have a middle guy and you pay him in the middle so you can build around him and go win that way. Both ways have proven that they can win. Or the best scenario is you have an elite guy in a rookie contract, right? And then you can have everything, and that's where you I have eat Pat Mahomes, Mahomes, and and the Rams. Window with Jared Goff and whatever. Although I don't think Jared Goff's an elite guy, but that's a different conversation. But I, you know, so Andy Dalton's value is these last two years, and then he has trade value potentially if you find that guy this year. Certainly, they're going to look into it. Everyone says go get Pat Mahomes. Like that is in every draft. Like every draft, Pat Mahomes is there at ten. Okay, and everybody knows. Everybody knows. No, you. you Kyler Murray is the next Pat Mahomes. You got to have your guy that you believe in. So you got to believe that and. They're not. I really don't see them going up and getting someone like because they'd have to get in front of the Giants. So you've got to go all the way from eleven to five. That it's look. The same people are still running the draft that have been. That is not going to change with Zach Taylor sitting there. All of a sudden, they're going to be willing to go get a guy. Um, If if you believe that Haskins or Murray or whoever insert guy here, I drew. I don't care. If you believe that they have upside and you want to. Do your version of Pat Mahomes and draft the guy, stand on the podium and say he's going to sit for a year uh, at least, and we're going to go with Andy Dalton and do the the Alex Smith treatment. That is fantastic. Some point this year or next year they have to do that. Yes, they have. A, they have one more year to to worry about it because after that, and who knows. Maybe they end up in a Drew Brees, Philip Rivers situation where maybe Zach Taylor and Brian Callen come in and Andy Dalton has it looks twenty fifteen Andy Dalton and the offense hums and and they're all and all of a sudden now you're like, Well now we gotta pay that guy. Because now you gotta say our because then now you're at that point. Right. So there is a lot of interesting decisions that are gonna be made about Andy Dalton's future over the next two years. The one that you can't do is if he continues to play at the current level, it's hard it's hard to Pay him what his market value will be. I don't. People think that he's not. He's going to get a massive contract from somebody. Somebody, somebody will pay him. Sure. Look what Alex Smith made. Look right. what Kirk Cousins made. That's yeah. the Kirk Cousins same contract. Guy. Yeah. He's, to he's me, the same guy as them. Yeah. And 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 or Derek Carr even. Or Derek Carr. And these guys are all making massive money. That's why I tip my hat 
to Katie Blackburn and everybody that did that deal when they did on Andy Dalton because they are looking like geniuses now because they're sitting here with this guy at this cap, money. It's a, a cap-friendly deal still. I he's mean, like 23rd or 24th in the league, and uh, we all can admit he's better than that as a quarterback, yes. even those who are down on Andy Dalton. So, you know, uh, I, it's a very interesting time. Clearly, they need to be looking and evaluating and considering that in a first, or maybe there's a project right, second let, rounder. Let, let's, let's do this. Let's play the game of, yeah, you're not going to get up ahead of the judge. You're going to stay at 11, and let's say it's Kyler Murray who falls to you, whoever. It's, it's somebody quarterback-wise. If, if you do that, looking with an eye on the future, can you do enough in this draft then to build around Andy Dalton on the offensive line to help yourself at linebacker where you need not linebacker, you need linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a decision on Darquez Denard, and if you don't re-sign him, you have to go find a corner. I mean, you you got a lot of things you got to still get done to make this team better right now. Yeah, that's the hard part of it because free agency comes before the draft. Right. So, you know, I do expect them to be more aggressive in free agency for a couple of reasons. One, he's going to churn the roster. I mean, he's new. Mm -hmm. He's got opinions on these guys. He's going to churn the roster pretty hard, I would assume. That will free up a lot of cap space. I think think two to three of their top 15 cap hits will be axed, in my opinion, because he will see chance to – Add his own guys. These He'd are guys. Get rid of these guys. Yeah. yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, I think there's a few obvious people in there. So you're going to be turning the roster. You're going to have. They have some money. They're not. They're not at the t- in the top five, but they have a decent amount of cap space. We know how they view cap space, and people get mad about that. But they'll add some more cap space by chopping some people, and they're going to be looking for some of Taylor's guys. Probably, maybe some Rams guys. Whatever. Linebacker. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with. Quez was slot corner. Maybe they go for a guy like Bryce Callahan or one of the other slot free right. agents. Um, obviously, they have to fix the offensive line. Even Marv's on NFL Live admitting that now, which we yelled at him. We, how much did we talk? Did we not talk about that literally on draft day last yes. year? How could you not have drafted another yes. offensive lineman? Now he's on NFL Live. Man, we really should have rebuilt that offensive line. No you kidding. <laughs> no, Bobby Hart was the answer. No kidding. Anyway, so I, I mean, I, I would expect. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of roster churning to to happen there for sure. Do you? Uh, it's probably too early, but I guess maybe just from your opinion, do you think they should feel the need to win right now, or do you think they should? Yeah. Be in the the idea of give him some time to turn this roster over and maybe draft a quarterback and start building towards well, a two or three year window. From yeah, now. it's weird because this was their window previous. This That's is, what we felt. Yeah. This has been set up as their window with the way they had all those picks. Um, they they had good early results on you know the sixteen and even and I would say you still have good results for the most part on sixteen and seventeen drafts and there's a lot of good players in there that 15, are fifteen not so much fifteen is the reason that they were right. where they were fourteen as well and, and so you you know but you were seeing good early results you had a lot of picks you had a lot of young guys you're still in the green Atkins Dunlap Dalton window of veterans uh, who you know can, have proven they can go win. Uh, so this was the window, was this year and next year. Um, that's the, the tough part of the other side of the decision to get rid of Marvin is you really put this year of the window in jeopardy with the new coach and all the mo- all the changes to the roster that's going to happen. So, you know, how quickly can he get it going? You know, I, I this is a team that I think – thought was this roster is ready to win this year regardless of who the head coach was they were a nine and seven team last year and had one of the worst injury riddled seasons that i've ever witnessed and 
They they were the five and three team. That's who yes. they were. Yes, that's who they were yeah. as a roster. They finished ten and six or nine and seven as a roster before they lost their best pass rusher and their best receiver and all their tight ends and their quarterback and everybody else. So it's like you know I I, I see that all of which are coming back. Who are they losing? Yeah, of, of consequence, nobody. And they're going to add plenty. They're going to have a ton of picks. Look, but that's why I go back to. But do you look and say, all right, that quarterback is there in the first round? But man, we love Devin White and we need a linebacker. But man, that quarterback's there. I think that's the quandary you're in. And you're right. Well, free agency may solve some of that before you even get to that part of the. But there's depth. I mean, look, a second round linebacker can be damn good too. Don't get me to the third round. I've seen enough third round. Don't give me a third round Big Twelve linebacker. I've seen enough third round Big Twelve linebacker. I think I've had my fill of those guys. I think if you really believe you can win right now, and I don't think you're wrong to say that they should be thinking that way, yeah. and that's how they're viewing this, and that's how he views this, and they're all on the same page, then I don't think there's any way you go quarterback in the first two rounds. You just have too unless, many other needs. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but it's the most important position about the future of their franchise. And you just – I mean, Zach Taylor – is about the future. He is not here to be here for three years. He is here right. to be here for the next 10 to 15 and into into the next decade. And so his thing is going to be one of these next two years, you've got to get him as quarterback. I agree. And, that, and that's why I brought the question up because it's this interesting spot of where the franchise would think they'd want to be in this position of, yes, win right now, mm-hmm. get the fans back interested, finish off this window where we've got these veterans because we're probably going to have to reshape the roster. But if you're Zach Taylor, you're absolutely thinking about the next decade. So sure. it's really going to be interesting to see how they handle those decisions in free agency and the draft. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, I will credit Duke Tobin for the most part. He has always stuck by BPA in the first round. It hasn't always worked out. Uh, obviously, there's been some hits and some misses. Um, but, you know, everyone yelled about taking a cornerback, and now everyone's thrilled they have William Jackson the third. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's like they – that was the year they had to have a receiver, and they, you know, they didn't stretch. They they just took William Jackson or whatever. They've done that pretty consistently. They got Tyler Boyd in the second round, and and, uh, and we know they're going to be evaluating quarterbacks. I mean, they they brought Lamar Jackson in. They wanted Lamar Jackson to be a potential guy for them, and they didn't feel like he was the right fit for them. And you know, you look because it is a job. To, people will get fired when you screw up, screw that up. It is the one decision that guarantees people will lose their jobs if you screw it up. Other things you can screw up. You can even screw up hiring Zach Taylor, and he would don't be the only one to lose his job. That's right. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people will be affected if you screw up the quarterback decision. It sets you back five years. And so they, if, when you have a window like they have, which they've basically been in this three-year got to figure out the next guy window, um, you know, you've got to just find the right fit, and it'll feel right, evaluate, and, and make your call. I'm just waiting for 100-year-old Mike Brown to step to the podium after 17 <laughs> years of Zach Taylor and say, yes, we felt it was the appropriate time. We've we gave him, him enough chances. <laughs> we've asked him to step aside. We've asked Zach to step aside once again. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right. We have traded. Zach to the San Antonio Rough Riders. <laughs> Did that mean the Bengals got reg- uh, regulated to the uh, relegated? Yeah, yeah. due to relegation, uh. we are now in the AAF. <laughs> uh. Holy cow! All right, Skinny, it's time to take a look at our college basketball lines. No other local sports going on, so we will get into some college hoops. Starting on Friday night, 9 p.m., NKU is at Wright State. The Norse are favored by one in that game. They are the favorites on Wright State's floor. The total is these are Ken Palm. These are Ken Palm lines, and Ken they're usually pretty lines. good. I think they. I think they will probably be the favorite. I think even they will by too. Vegas too. I think they will too. 
uh, but, it, but it's maybe a big even, game. Yeah, maybe even two and a half feels about like what the line will officially well, be. But one, I think NKU wins the game. I, I do. I think that um, the, the the losses they've had, the Oakland loss was when Oakland was playing pretty decently and they got dudes and they're on their floor and it was early in the conference. The, the last two losses were just NKU not playing well. And maybe that's the whole focus of going through, a, no matter who you are going through a conference season, you go on the road, you just can't have a mental night off or even just, you just can't, or even just a night off in the way you play. Um, so I'm going to chalk those up to that. I think when this NKU team is locked in and they're healthy and they are both, and they're certainly healthy and I think they will be locked in, they are clearly the best team in this league by a long shot. I'll go NKU by seven. I'll go 74 67. 74 67. You're going by seven on Wright State's floor. Yep. That's that's big. Um, I think NKU wins. I think they cover. I'm going to go. I think you're right, right in the right spot for the number. I'm going to go 76-73 NKU. I okay. think they win by three. They hold cover. on or hit a last-second shot? I think I think they hold on. I, I, okay. think, they're, I think they're up by six, five, six. And Wright State makes a three at the buzzer just because. Right, yeah, or they, you know, it's like getting the foul situation okay. type stuff, doing okay. all that. So, all right. All right. Then we, and they basically, for the right, they, they win that game. They they basically put themselves in the driver's seat to be the one seed for the conference tournament. They have two very winnable home games against Cleveland State and Youngstown. They would have a two game cushion if they win those going into the last two games at Milwaukee and Green Bay. So at the very worst, you split those. You still have a one game lead, and you probably have the tiebreaker advantage too that I haven't even looked into. So yeah, this, it, this is really the game for them. If it holds out, which UIC seems like they're going to be the third place team, right. the way things have shaped up. NKU is two and zero against them. Wright State split with them, so NKU does have in the, the three way shape the head. Yeah. yeah. If well, no. If they if Wright State and, and NKU tie oh, that's right. yeah, head yeah. to head, yeah. NKU has the tiebreaker over Wright, Wright State because UIC is the third. Right. If UIC remains in third, yeah. Um. So yeah. But this is the game. This is the this game. is the game that you just go and handle business right here. Saturday, two p.m. Xavier at Providence. The Musketeers are six point dogs in that one. One thirty four is the total. I, I I'd like to say I could even have them cover. I can't. I'm. I'm it just doesn't feel like that. It, it doesn't feel like they're they're doing anything right right now. I'll, I'll go Providence seventy four sixty two. Was that the Paul score? <laughs> yeah, uh, the, it's hard for me to have confidence in Xavier covering right now. Seventy four sixty two would put that at one thirty six. One thirty six, just over. The over was one thirty four. Yeah, just game, barely so over. Feels feels about right. Um, I think Xavier does cover. I'm going to say they lose this one by five seventy four sixty nine. Um, and then, what gives you the confidence in that? Just out of curiosity, I don't know if it's confidence or just, just that Providence isn't very good. No, I just yeah, I just think Providence stinks. And again, Xavier hasn't lost any of these games by a lot. No, so right. I don't think it until I I see they just are quitting and not and other totally than Marquette and Marquette towel. was a different animal. But yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, I mean they're just not as good as Marquette right, or Villanova. Right. Yeah. But like in these other, but games, even Nova they were in. Yeah, in these other games, it's just they're folding and they're uh, heck they were beating DePaul pretty handily yes. in the second half at one point. Yes, so. Um, yeah, I think they can hang with Providence, who who has had a few good games recently, but has also been very inconsistent all year long. So uh, Saturday, 8 p.m., the game of the week, Tennessee at UK. Number one in the country are the Vols. They are, or uh, Kentucky, rather, is the favorite in that game. They are a two-point favorite. 146 is the total. Man, number one coming to Rupp, that's, that's not an enviable place for number one to be. No. And, and the fact that, for you know, this has always been a, a rivalry of sorts, and it's even better when both teams are good. Tennessee hasn't been good, you know, consistently good for a long time. Last year they were good, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's been a while since you know they've been in this position. You go back to Jerry Green coaching back in the, the late '90s, early 2000s when he had some teams. In fact, he had a number one team that, that came into Rupp. Um, 
I, I think this is a tough spot for Tennessee to, to, to go on the road as number one on a Saturday night in Rupp. Uh, I'll take Kentucky by six. I'll go 78-72 Kentucky. Yeah, just with Kentucky coming off of the loss, right. I think that's so tough to deal with. Um, I think it is going to be a closed game. I actually like it right at the number. I think it's going to push. I'm going to say 76-74, okay. so it goes over and pushes. I just think t- Tennessee, especially with we saw, good. we saw UK struggle to close um against LSU and Tennessee has a bunch of experienced tough guys I think they're going to play them that final final horn I think they're going to you know again I think it's a hang on situation I don't think UK is going to need to come from behind to beat them or anything but they'll be up by five six and then need to hang on at the, the end the, the one thing Tennessee does have going for it is it's not like they just turned number one on Monday and this is their first time as number one they've been number one for quite a few weeks so they've had to go on the road as number one in the league and that's not easy to do this is a different animal as number one going into Rupp that's just it's a you can talk to your players about about hey we've been on the road we've done this you ain't been number one coming into Rupp man good luck and Rupp Arena honestly it's not like that great of a place I don't honestly think for most games it has much of an atmosphere for this but when you get an a Louisville game, right. you get like a North Carolina, a Duke, or any like Florida top, back in the day, top five team right. coming in. It is a ridiculous Kansas. atmosphere. I mean, there's just so many people. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, the thing about UK fans is, yes, you have a bunch of old donors sitting courtside for those games, but those old donors are nuts if it's a big game. Correct. The, none of them sit on their hands if they care. And granted, a lot of times they don't care and they are quiet. They, People get they mad about that. They will care on Saturday night. But when they care, they're old rednecks who stand up and scream their heads off. Yep. And this place will be rocking. No question. All right. Sunday, skinny, 1 p.m., Wichita State at UC. The Bearcats are favored by 12 in that game, the over 130. What do you say? Big number. Um, UC's had a full week off. I think because of that, I'll go UC 75 60. Literally the exact number I was going to say. Right, 75 they, 60. They cover the spread. They go over. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Simple enough. And Greg Marshall's wife goes nuts. <laughs> I think that makes it easy. What do we should be drinking Saturday night? You want to go, go find her? I, she, she's got to be. I want to party with that woman. She's either, she's one of two. She's either Budweiser, like nothing but just Bud Diesel, or she's drinking vodka and maybe like a splash of water. I think it's vodka and a splash of some kind of juice. Vodka and a splash of. I think she she goes either straight vodka or like a splash she's, of water. She's a vodka and cranberry. It's got vodka and cranberry. I don't me. think so. No, I don't think so. Maybe it's just straight moonshine. Uh, that that might be the it's possible too. All right, skinny. Let's uh, take a trip around the country looking at some national headlines. We'll also welcome Paul Diener back in to tell us his ghost story here in a minute. On February 10th, 2018, Kareem Hunt shoved a woman in a hotel hallway, shoved another individual so hard that he tumbled into the woman and knocked her down, and then kicked the woman as she crouched on the floor. A year later, the Browns signed Hunt to a one-year, one million contract on the same date, which was Monday. Are you surprised by the Browns signing Kareem Hunt despite his history of physical abuse, including that incident where he pushed and kicked a woman? I'll also say there were two other police reports from that year, 2018, where he was involved in physical altercations. One was at a club with a, a random guy, and the other was another guy at a bar right. or something. Um no, I'm not surprised the, the Browns signed him. I'm not surprised any NFL team signed him, but the Browns especially, because John Dorsey, the GM, has a history with Kareem Hunt. Um, he knows Kareem Hunt. He talked about how they feel like they have a support system for Kareem Hunt. And I think was, I, I want to say it was Sarah Spain on ESPN. I thought I had a great take. It was a female take that you would think that a lot of times they would she would be somebody that would say this is and, and this is just you can't do, sign a guy like this. But it is. I think her take was, and I'm paraphrasing, was, was, look, if you know that the guy has, let's say it's alcohol problems, and you feel like you can, you can take the alcohol problems, fix that, 
The alcohol problems lead to the anger issues. You fix the alcohol, it fixes the anger. You have the support system. You you know that you can maybe help this person out. If you can do those things, then then yes, that person can still be gainfully employed in the NFL or in any line of work. And I thought it was a rational thought process. I mean, there's obviously there's no margin for error here. There's no there's no room for slip up here. But if you feel like, look, th- th- this guy is fixable and I am the one that can fix him. I know him. I know what the issues are. We know how he didn't give him any problem in Kansas city really. So, um, I, I, you know, I, to me, I, I think it, I think it, the signing is one that well, I, I get, I mean, he got, it was off season. Well, yeah, but I mean, he had the, these issues while he's with Kansas City. They had to fire him because he lied about what well, that, happened that, that, that night. That part of it, yes. Once but, the video but came out, again, if you think that you know what the root cause is and you can fix the root cause, then I, I, I get why they did. I again, if it wasn't the Browns, it was going to be somebody. I so that's I. Someone was going to sign. Him. Correct. I totally agree. So I'm not surprised by that. I'm only a little bit surprised it was the Browns because they seem like they have a young, talented running back yeah, room Chubb, already. I mean, Nick, Nick Chubb, Chubb looks Duke, great, Duke Johnson. and Duke Johnson looks talented. So that surprised me a little bit that they felt they needed a guy. Although, if he turned hell of a talent, uh, yeah. I mean, if he returns back to being Kareem Hunt, which why wouldn't he be? He's young. I mean, I mean, two Nick, years in, Nick Chubb can still be your main runner, and Kareem Hunt can be your better Duke Johnson or. Trade one of them, or trade, or trade one, one of them. If you if you you know you get in the season and you prove you got three good backs or or at least two, maybe you trade one of them. My thing with all of this stuff has always been, if if a guy is not in jail, if he is allowed to be hired, I don't think it is the responsibility of the employer to decide we're taking a moral stand against hiring this guy. Now, that does not preclude them from fan saying. You're you're bad. I'm not spending my money with you. I'm not attending your games. I'm not going to be a fan of you. You're opening yourself up to any and all backlash that comes with doing that. But that backlash is always vocal and it's never backed up with actual and that's people taking that stance. And that's what people keep it, getting it, mad at the NFL for the same hiring with, these it's guys. The same thing with the, with, the, with the Jim Turner hiring. I, I'd be willing to, and I I don't know the answer to this, and I'm probably surmising way out of my league with this. I can bet you, I can probably bet you that not one single season ticket holder called and said because you hired him I'm turning my season I'm not going to renew. Oh, I guarantee not for Jim Turner. But yeah. I mean that's a very different situation from yeah, this. But, but yeah, I mean I agree with you for the th- most part. Fans th- do not care. And I think the same part here with Kareem Hunt. I I can almost bet you there's not a single Brown season ticket holder that's going to say you know what I'm turning my season ticket in because you you signed Kareem Hunt. You know what most NFL fans are honestly thinking right now? I wonder what Ronnie's going to take in fantasy. I wonder if I can stash Correct. Him. I mean, Correct. That's the thing. Everyone wants to moralize on Twitter and get mad at these NFL teams or these ad agencies that are still endorsing these players and stuff like that. I'm not saying that's not within your rights, but get mad at yourself. You're the reason that they're able to keep employing these guys because you get outraged for five minutes and then you don't care and you're worried about how many touchdowns through. he has. Yes. Yes. So, no, I don't. If this is going to help those teams win, I don't think it's their responsibility to decide this guy should or and, shouldn't be employed because of his moral and, and your, judgment. I think your point's well taken. I mean, if you're if you're not in jail, you are and you're you're able to be employed, and and he's good enough to play in the National Football League. They've deemed him good enough to play, and they decide to employ him. Okay, you can have some moral outrage, I guess, if you want, but he's still allowed, he's not in jail. He is able to be gainfully employed by somebody. Right, and I get I get that. Hiring a guy into the NFL gives him a platform, gives him fame, gives him a ton of money. Like all that stuff is accurate, but he has a skill set that demands that. Yes. If you can go to trade stocks, day trade, and, and go on Wall Street and make millions of dollars, guess what? You can commit crimes and then 
get off and go back and start making money on Wall Street. No question. And no one's going to care. So, like, un, un, unfortunately, we don't take these things serious enough in our country. We don't handle domestic abuse well enough in our country. But that's not on NFL teams to figure out. And we need to quit acting like it is and quit acting like these guys should be out of a job for the rest of their lives after they make a mistake. I'm not saying it's, it's not a terrible mistake. It's awful. And I'm not saying... Any of these teams should give him a job. If you're a team that says, I'm not going to hire a guy who does that, by all means, I'm with you. Don't do it. But quit as fans putting it on these teams to be the ones to stop it. Because we're the issue here. Exactly right. Exactly. All right, Skinny. Major League Baseball is discussing some new rules. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said that management is focused on... That's Grand Marshal Rob Manfred for you, my friend. My apologies. Show a little respect. That management is focused on pace of game changes for 2019 and bolder ideas would be looked at down the line. Adding a pitch clock and a three-batter minimum for relief pitchers unless an inning ends were two of the rules that that management had liked and and responded to. Management also wants the league to look at using the designated hitter in both leagues, an earlier trade deadline aimed at discouraging teams from tanking, increasing service time for young stars called up early in the season, and rewarding or penalizing teams in the draft based on their records. Now, to be clear, those, those... secondary ideas that aren't the first two base of play rules. Those aren't going to happen in 2019. Rob Manfred said that's way too soon. DH is not going to happen in 2019. Yeah, it's well, exactly. That's a lot of stuff to figure out in terms of money and everything. So it's not going to happen. But do any of the new Major League Baseball rules being discussed pique your interest? I I like two of them. I I like the pitch clock. I thought that's long been overdue. Um, And I, I like three batter minimum sounds like a lot. But I like the fact that it, it keeps this whole lefty righty righty lefty trips to the mound. That, that look, you got to be good enough to maybe get not just the left hander I'm bringing you into face, but the next two guys who are right handed hitters out. You got to be a good enough pitcher to do that. Yeah, well, you have to get out of the inning, right? Yeah, yeah, you can bring in a guy to get the third out of an inning, and then you can Correct. pull him out after yeah, that, yeah, which yeah, is fine. Yeah. But I think that's how it should be. If you've got a high leverage situation, bases loaded, and your starter's clearly gassed. Okay, you can bring in a reliever to get us a left-handed specialist or what have you to get you that one out. But none of this, not, they overdo the lefty-on-lefty stuff as Correct. it is. For one batter, we wait 15 minutes. The guy walks him or gives up a home run anyways or a single to right field. And it's like, or, or the reverse is, I brought the lefty in to face the lefty, and guess what? He brings up the right hander to pinch hit for him. Yeah, I right, mean, right. Or, or uh, again, you you go right back to the righty after you have a dominant lefty who gets a guy out in three pitches. You take him out of the game, put back in a righty, and he gets shelled. It's well, like, what are you doing? You, know, you, you are now in the day of the opener, right? And that's where it's, you know some teams went last year with the with the one inning guy, etc. I, I, you know, you could in theory. I used to think about this as a kid. I I thought about. I always think about wacky things and ways to change games. That that you could start a left hander, knowing the other guy's going to start all right handers, and then have him throw one pitch or face one batter, yank him out, bring in your right hander. All that guy was was a sacrificial lamb anyway to set the lineup up. The way. why wouldn't you try to do that? And I think this is at least trying to stop some of those kind of games from being played. From Wade Miley starting against the Dodgers, who start an all right handed lineup, and then going, all right, one guy, you're out. Now my right hander comes in. I think at least it stops some of that. So the the theory there was to get a, 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 the opposite manager to load his lineups with yes. all righties, right? Because you were throwing a lefty that day, correct? Okay, and then you bring a righty back, yeah, correct? Out. Gotcha. Correct. Okay, and that, yeah, that's, that's kind of like this. I, and this also the, I, this is also a pace of play decision too. That, that you know, in an inning, in theory, you could go lefty to face lefty, get him out; righty to face righty, get him out; lefty to face lefty, and all those pitching changes take time. That, that's a big reason for what it is, but I also like the fact that it does add a little more importance on 
starters, maybe yes. relievers. Like you guys, yeah, that you have to leave. Maybe yeah, here. maybe you have to leave a starter in for an extra batter because you're or, like, or an, or you put him in for an extra inning or two right. because you don't say, oh, he's in trouble. We got to pull him out right yeah, now. No. You just say, you know what? We'll, we'll give him an extra inning here. What, what have you? So, and, and and the and the key part is, I I, I get him through two, the two right-handed guys, and here comes the lefty to end the inning. Okay, I'll bring my guy in for the one guy at the end of the inning. Then we we can make a pitching change next inning. So I, I'm good with that. I don't like the DH in both leagues. I I, I like you some, don't. No, I like. I want some separation. I, I hate interleague play. I, I, it hasn't been enjoyable to me. I I, I think it's kind of cool that the two so, leagues have different rules, and, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. If if you're going to go with all the homogenization, then just put them all in a pot. Put all 30 teams and put We put already it, do. Put we play inter, I know, we and that's why I hate all it. Year. That's why I hate it. I hate it. Why? I don't know. I just hate it. For no like, reason at all, other like, than being like old and being a traditionalist. I, no, I like what's wrong with separate leagues with separate rules, and then they meet for a, for a title. Because it's absurd. We wouldn't we wouldn't accept that in any other sport. Okay, let's do this next year. The AFC does all two point conversions, no extra points. Good. NFC kicks extra points. I like it. Uh, that's it's a separation of leagues. Utterly ridiculous. Leagues are different. I, I'm all I'm all for the DH. That's the rule that I think has to it, be done. It, well, it's it's going to be done because of this. Because that's going to be what the players' association is going to hang over any any collective should. bargaining and any decision making here. Because they're going to want guys to extend their careers as designated hitters. Like, let's face it, in Cincinnati, Joey even, Votto. I mean, even though Joey Votto hates the DH and and doesn't perform well as a DH, but he's a perfect example of a guy you're paying a lot of money to late in his career that you can probably get a little extra mileage out of as a designated hitter without question. Or heck, even if you just had a Scooter Jeanette. Yeah, even if you just had it this year, look at all the offense no, that this team has. I, if the I agree. Reds can get I mean, an extra hitter on you, the field, you've got you've got. We don't know where where, where they're going to play Nick Senzel if he maybe even starts in the minor leagues. That still leaves you with four outfielders for three spots on every single day, as long as Matt Kemp is still on this roster. So no, I I, I agree with you. You're, you're right about that part. I just like the fact there's separate leagues. I like to watch the double switch. I think the double switch is a very underrated move. It never happens. It never happens. I'm not. I'm not going to steal most thunder. He did that total justice all week last week. I so. think the double switch is a very valued. I think it is something that that it is learned over time. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. I do. I like the fact they're different leagues. I hate interleague play. Scrap interleague play. Scrap it. Just Why? scrap it. Why would, would you not want to go see back to your the schedule? Go back to the schedule of this in your league inside your division. You play each team eighteen times. That gives you that, that gives you seventy two games there. You play the other the other ten teams nine times. That gives you ninety games. That's one hundred and sixty two games. And you decide a National League champion or National League playoff teams by playing National League teams. You determine American League playoff teams by playing American League teams, not these uneven interleague stupid games. I don't care when the Yankees come. I don't care when I don't care. Really, I can watch them on TV when I feel like it. I don't think I need to watch the Brewers and Pirates 156 times a season. Look, inside your division, wouldn't you want your stuff determined by who you play in your league? Or as the wild card team, wouldn't you want it to be on a year where, hey, I got stuck with the Yankees and Red Sox, and that team got stuck with, with the Mariners and the and the Rangers? Come on, now. I mean, they rotate. It's just like the NFL. You the hell with rotating. Decided inside your league. I mean, if you, you want to go to DH, go to DH. But by God, stop doing interleague play. It's a waste of my time. I mean, we got way off the rails here on this that. conversation. But over 162 games, if you weren't able to prove you were the best team during that stretch, In no matter who league. you played, no matter who you played, over 162 games, it's pretty obvious who the best teams are. In your league. In your league. I want to see, I, the, I'm ask I want to see the best stars in the American if, League come to great American I, ballpark. If I'm going to ask you... For the Reds this year, let's say they they do contend for a playoff berth, but they're stuck playing the Yankees home and away and the Red Sox home and away, while the Pirates get a chance to play 
the Tigers home and away and uh, the Twins home and away. Whose schedule would you rather have? The Brewers? The Pirates, whoever Pirates, I just Pirates, yeah. I didn't know who yeah. you said. Yeah. Um, yes. But, but no okay. but. but no, no but. No, 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 no. But, okay, you know what? Last year or the next year or whenever I get to play but the easier schedule, the I should about, be good that year. The thing about baseball, though, is, I mean, sometimes you are in a one-year window, man. You don't get these four-year, five-year, seven-year windows a lot of times. That sucks. Okay. I mean, life's not fair. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm trying I, to make it fair. No, National you're not. League playoff teams are determined by it. playing the National League. I you just didn't did want the math. The H's when we started I just this. Did the, I just did the math. <laughs> 18 times 4 is 72. There's I a division. The there are 10 other teams times 9. That's 90. 72 plus 90. Magically, 162 games is what that you, comes up to. You know I'm not a math guy, first of all. I realize all, so that's that. telling me nothing. Second of all, I. Again, you wanted you didn't even want the DH to be in both leagues. Now you're all about equality. Get out of here with that nonsense. You're making you're you are I all over the place the, with your points. No, right no, now. the National League teams. I just I like the fact that the two there's leagues there's two different have, rules. Yes, but you want them to play equal schedules all the time because you don't inside want anything their, to be unequal in, inside their leagues. Ridiculous. That's why you have the World Series. The American League champ plays the National League champ. Let them determine their playoff teams by who they play inside their league. Let's get Paul Daner back in here. All right, so let's bring Paul Daner Jr. back in. And 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 the last time Paul was here, he he told a fabulous ghost story. Um, and and we asked if he could get a, a follow up to it, some clarification to it. How much truth was there? Was was it was it a put on? You had questions. First and a foremost, let, let's 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 reset the stage of of, <laughs> yeah. of your age when when you supposedly saw ghosts yeah. and and the ghosts and things that we saw and heard. Why you gotta supposedly? Little Why baby it gotta ghosts? be supposedly? Uh, I wasn't there. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. I mean, look, this is. I'm still picturing a little I'm baby your ghost source. Down I'm the right here. I'm telling you. Uh, I, I believe. I am the source. Look. What, <laughs> When Chad Brendel sits in here and tells us his story, it's like, okay, did it happen or not? When Paul Daner sits in here and tells us the story, I'm like, yeah. I don't know Chad. Chad's creeped me out. I believe Chad. What was Chad's? I don't need the whole story. Chad What's was the nutshell? was an old lady on, on uh, in, in like an old plantation house, house, and she was just like in a rocker. They heard the rocking chair, went up, saw her, and then she just like floated down the hallway. That's what he about says. that. Ooh. Yeah, and there, I mean, it's scary. And there was apparently some stuff that had happened in this old antebellum house. Oh, uh, okay. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So the basics was I was I was eighteen. It was like senior year of high school. A bunch of buddies from Moeller all Pot together. Pot LSD drinking. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> no. No designer drugs were involved. Uh, we're we're, we're watching like some some WWE pay per view or something and all hanging out and ascent, and then we saw we saw uh, I saw a hand come out of a closet. Hand come out of a closet. Witnessed it. Uh, it's one of my buddies saw the exact same thing before I even mentioned it to him. He said the hand into the same motion, and that was pretty much what decided for me. And then, but then the then, coup de gras. Then I did see a baby in a diaper running down a hallway. And a ghost baby. Ghost. It was a ghost baby. Yeah. So we it asked you if you could reach out to, to friends. <laughs> yeah. And and to to the guy whose house it was. Yes. yes. The guy whose house and it was. to refresh and make sure uh, we could answer probably. some of the questions that you guys. And we had. wondered maybe okay. they were putting you on right that you don't know. Right. Maybe that your was friends part had of it. To put on. Did he listen to the segment of the podcast? I doubt it. Right. Uh, I don't know that he. I don't know that he. Just tell us no. Don't lie. I don't think so. Yeah, I, d- I don't think so either. But he knows the story. He doesn't. Does he need to hear the right. story? He no, I know. It happened in his house. I didn't know. Story. I was wondering <laughs> how he got the questions. If yeah, they had to move. I, I, I guess the thing I don't, how, how often have you talked to this guy over the years? Periodically, uh, well, I, I could. Look, I, I we eat, we exchange emails probably once every year. Or so because okay. he follows right. the Bengals, okay. and, and right. we will talk, we'll talk about, about ghosts gotcha. and talk about ghosts. <laughs> well, this is the first time I brought the ghosts up in since probably you know maybe 10, 15 years. Okay, all right. So basically. He points out that it was a crazy night. Uh, he says, to answer your questions, because I, I sent a bunch of questions. Uh, take, take this survey monkey for me, if you would. Yeah. Uh, 
and I'm trying to figure out exactly. I, there was a lot of questions I sent to him, so he, he tries to go through them one by one. He says, uh, let's see, they did not have any knowledge of the house ever being haunted before this okay. night. So this was a total first-time occurrence, which is odd to me. You would think they wouldn't just decide to show up. Although if you were going to show up, a bunch of high school dudes hanging out is <laughs> probably a great time to do Why it. Why the baby? Why is that? Because that's particularly yeah. creepy. Plus, it could have been someone that was in the house that night. Maybe yeah. it was their ghost. He said, "As a kid, you, you, as a kid, you always think you hear stuff, but nothing to the extent that raised questions of haunted experiences." And he said, "What you guys asked was this a setup?" He says, "Oh, this was no setup. I was just as freaked out as everyone there." Now, you remember me telling the story about the sister, yes. his sister, who had put her prom dress on. He points out another. Aspect of this I had forgotten. He said, "I was just as freaked out as everyone there. If you remember, my sister, who did have who did have a little too much to drink, was freaking out after she got put into the dress and makeup put on her. So makeup was put on her too when she was basically completely what? out of it. Normally, you could chalk that up to her trying to impress the gents, but if she tried to put makeup it, on, it would have been a disaster. Also, her clothes were perfectly folded and placed on top of the dresser, which I mentioned in our story last time." Uh, he's, so he goes on. It it took me a month to finally sleep normally in the house again. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine having to just be there? Well, after that? I got a to leave. baby making all types of rackets running up and down the hallway. Probably got a rattle. Dude, dude needs a diaper change. Yeah, too, I mean, say that that's a lot of ghost poop. Yeah. It is a lot of ghost poop. <laughs> ghost don't poop. They only fart. Do we know that? We don't know. I'm pretty sure that's a ghost fact. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a ghost fact. Ghostfacts.com or yeah. .net. That's actually my Instagram. I'm a ghost writer for it. Oh, nice. Uh, okay, so he points out. Okay, so he now he goes into the details of who, what his remembrance of who saw what. Okay. Okay, so he mentioned some of my friends. You, Brandon, Brendan, and Kevin all saw the toddler running down the hall. Uh, he said, I can't remember which one of you walked after it, but once it got in the dark, it disappeared. Uh, and then he points out the hand, the waving hand. Uh, and then, okay, and you remember me talking about video. So we we, we all yes. did confessionals. What happened so, to the confessionals? So he says, as far as the video, we did make the one uh, when the, the cigarettes being placed a certain way, which yeah, I mentioned. Yes. Uh, only person in the area. He, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, I have no idea where that tape is, unfortunately. It did have us parting on it before, and then it got, quote, interesting. <laughs> uh, he points out... Uh, <laughs> Uh, no family lives there anymore. No, none of his family lives there anymore. Paul, oh, your phone just went off. I think it's the Enquirer's HR department. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, as far as I know, they have never uh, had any haunted episodes afterwards, but he never talked to his parents ever about the whole thing. Didn't tell them? What? Never told them. They were gone. What? Never told them. Oh, man. I think I would have had to tell them. Maybe they could have given you some kind yeah. of background, you too. You think? I mean, maybe... Yeah, he just went on and lived and never brought it up again. And him and his sister were just like, oh, the ghost thing didn't happen. Don't you have to tell your parents? You got to. <laughs> yeah, because I'm moving out of that house. We're yeah. at least demanding an answer. Like, yeah, you, you've got to, you got like to put that baby in the market. That, so if See, I thought you were the only one that saw the baby for some reason. No, so no, no, no. There were okay, others. Was, didn't okay. you say it was running around outside at one point? Or the kids they were running around? They chased it outside. That was before I saw it. Okay. I didn't believe that. It was running around outside and they were chasing that They had seen it and I didn't believe them. And then, then later on, I saw it running down the hallway. Along with a couple others. Did you watch Pee Wee's Playhouse as a kid? 
Yeah, yeah Globy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, see, when they're like a like a high, like a high yeah. yeah. When they're when they're handing that one, yeah. huh? Oh, when there there was. See, so you're, you're claiming that I was having like Pee Wee's Playhouse PTSD yes. or yes. hallucinations. Yes, because that show would make you. I can't even imagine if somebody watched that show high. I mean, I I, I watched it sober. <laughs> when I, I mean, it 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 always freaked Skinny, me let's out. Let's be honest. You can you can imagine. <laughs> yes. You can imagine. I mean, that show freaked me out at the no time. No doubt. You sure? Maybe there wasn't some of that. Were we Cherry all? Glory? Were we all having Pee Wee's Playhouse PTSD? All of us that saw the same thing. Did yeah. you watch it that night? Maybe. No. This no. Is, this is my problem with you. I'm the, skeptical. The last, I can't help. I'm just a skeptic at heart. Yes, but the last time we had him on, and you started being all skeptical, then we both start getting wild things going on at our house, and we have I to know. cut out. It. We literally had to stop doing ghost segments because, like, we both had wild things going on at our house. I still don't have my back. The ghosts know you're getting too close. I, I, well, I think it was because they heard me editing. I honestly thought after I, I'm like editing the podcast, he with was you. genuinely freaked. Yeah, and my I've got like. All these weird sounds going on, so I go into my storm cellar to check it out, and the doors get flipped and slammed, and it's like, oh, these things boy. lay flat. I've Dust, never seen them flip. 40 miles an hour that day, but never mind that. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what he does. He taunts the ghost. Don't I was taunt. told by ghost experts specifically not to taunt them. They said, yes, I'm not that's taunting, a bad idea. I'm not taunting the ghost. I even told you that one night when I took my trash out, I don't know how the backlight got turned on. I still don't know how the backlight got turned on. They gave me like a whole on. thing I was supposed to tell the ghost, like a little seance that I was supposed to be like, hey, I The ghost experts them. did? Yes. Who did you, what ghost experts did you talk uh, so to? there were some people that reached out to us. Actually, you you hooked us up with one guy. He didn't get back to me though. I gotta hit, get that guy on the podcast. But there are a few other that people were like, "Oh, you should talk to so and so." So I reached out to these people and were like, "Hey, I've got like honest to god things going on in my house. I want a little insight here. What do you think?" And they're like, "Yeah, that's a bad idea. Don't don't taunt the don't taunt ghosts. I'm not yeah, taunting the ghosts. I'm just." It just makes me wonder how a hand. You're not taunting your ghost, but when I go home babies. and edit this, I will then be taunting. You're babies. questioning their existence. Yeah, they don't handed like little that. babies, and they ch- like the fact you guys chased the little baby. Do you mm. know if there he goes? Do you know if there were <laughs> any more incidents of the supernatural in that house? Uh, not that he knew. Not that he knew of. Yeah. No. Not just that, that night, the night that of was, mayhem and craziness. That was I, it. Some some friend had to have done something. There Dude, had to be. They some didn't guy. have technology back then. There, it's not like they were making holograms. Mm-hmm. I know that, but th- th- something's going on. There was something. They didn't even have HD projector screens back then. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> the think about that. We didn't have smartphones. They didn't do anything. They were idiots. Man, oh they man. They spelled boobs on calculators and turned it upside down. Dude, that I still do that. Yeah, it's funny. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good joke to break out like out of nowhere if you have a calculator, which is pretty rare. <laughs> but if there's one in a room, it's the first thing I think to do with it is like find somebody and just like slide that across. Obviously. Yeah. Did you Did you get anyone to join the Pen15 Club when you were in school? Pen fifteen? <laughs> no, I did not do pen fifteen. Yeah, but I did, all yeah. you got to do is write pen fifteen on your hand, and you're in. That's it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have I have more questions now than when I brought you in. This is, what? This is, now, this is why do you have more questions? I, don't know. I just, just answered a bunch. It just of them. feels like a put on to me. Why would I? Why, why would I go to this much trouble? You think I want to come I all believe, the way in here on a Wednesday you. just to do this? First you. of all, that's the most compelling <laughs> compelling evidence of this whole thing is that he's now made two trips in two here trips. to spend more than half an hour with us to talk about this. To talk so about these ghosts. That's very compelling evidence. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it. It, it. No, it is. And it, here's the other thing. In fact, this guy got back to you in such great detail. I mean, I, I got to give him yeah. credit. I thought there was a 35% chance that you might come in here and be like, all right, so the guy tells me the they were they screwing up. set it up. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But no. this guy has all the details that he said. Yes. And I mean, it's... Explanations of it. Yeah, yeah. We all were there and we remember what, it very clearly. What part's the most compelling to you? <laughs> 
the hand, the, the hand, hand, the hand, hand wave. I'm having a hard time with the hand. The hand wave because your friend doing it back to you, the same doing the same motion. That's that was, the one I can't get over. That is that was what got me. The re- honestly, the rest of it. I could have rationalized no, the everything ba- else. The baby, no, the I can't baby running, I can't rationalize. And especially yeah. if people are chasing the daggone thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, but I could just say you're crazy in that situation. I can't right. say both of you did the that, hand thing. That, that's that weird. somebody else saw the same thing to yeah. say that I wasn't hallucinating in my head. Yeah. Because you never know. If, if everyone's saying they saw a baby and you see a baby, you could be like, oh, I just imagined that. I, Maybe. I questioned you when you brought that up the last time, but now I'm yeah. on your side of that. The hand is the most compelling. The hand is the most compelling. I'm in on that. For sure. All right. Paul, appreciate to appreciate the, the question. <laughs> do, I, do I need to send more questions? No, no. More it's, it's, we're good. I we think we got it? enough. Um, if he does find those videos, we need it. Maybe not the Trust quote unquote me. interesting parts of it. Yeah, yeah I don't want to. It sounds see that. like no. I believe the interesting part was when the ghost showed up. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. maybe you guys were like uploaded on an amateur revenge no. porn website or something. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> no, that was just the ghost part. Okay, good. Man, oh man, <laughs> Paul. Thank you much. My pleasure. All right, thanks again to Paul Daner Jr. You two, I'm going to have to lock you up in like a go. I'm going to have to send you to Bobby Mackey's one night, the two of you. I'm down. I want to go podcast I'll, 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 go, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll go with you, and we'll see if we see ghosts together. Yeah, you know what? You're going down first because you don't believe. I, if you're I'm so brave, you I'm go down sc- first, my man. I'm skeptical. Let's just go with that. Non-believer. Don't, don't see that. Don't, non- don't tell the ghost I'm a non-believer. Just tell the ghost I'm a bit skeptical. When I, I, see, when I see one... I will say, hey, thank you. I saw you. I believe you now. All Casper the Friendly Ghost in Erlanger, Rick says you guys are fully existent, and he totally believes. But see, those are friendly ghosts. Yeah, but if I just I don't care what type of ghost they are. I just want them to know I'm on their team I, when they hear this playing back in my house and I'm editing. I do You're hear, the non-believer, I do hear me. doors closing in my house now. I really do. I wonder Although, why. then I look outside, and I realize it's probably somebody down the street who just got in and out of their car. Well, you got some thin walls. I may have that, too. Who knows? Who knows? I made peace with them. I know you did. I know you did. All right, for Paul Diener Jr. and Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. This is the Skinny Podcast, the Popery Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.